This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 820. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 820. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. If you're listening in live time, we are officially in holiday season. (laughs) And I think I'm ready. It's November 1st as I record this. So we're just past Halloween heading toward Thanksgiving. A couple mom friends of mine have texted me in the last week asking if it's okay to turn on Christmas music. And I'm giving full permission, not that I'm the authority on that. But if you're ready, I say like, why not make the world a little bit more enjoyable? And I feel like we've kind of been in this position since COVID. Like, why not just extend the holidays? (laughs) There's few opportunities to create magic right now with so many the world, you know, continuing to present us with big and hard problems. So make magic wherever you can (laughs) make Christmas as long as you want to make it or whatever holidays you're going to celebrate. If you can extend them in either direction, go for it. So I'm assuming we will have Christmas music starting anytime at our house. And I'm already excited about it. So I'm excited to talk about our topic today, although it's feels like a tricky topic. And I also am cautiously walking into this topic because it's not something I'm an expert on, but it's something that I definitely am doing a lot of learning around. And I thought I would share with you because I do feel like even if you don't have a level of expertise as a mom in terms of mothering and parenting, I do think that some of the best things that help us are ideas that come from other moms. And I remember two really, really important pieces of parenting information that helped me when Vinny was teeny, teeny, tiny in terms of like expectations and how to manage this new life with this baby that 
I thought should be on a schedule within two weeks of birth. And, you know, then I found out that that doesn't happen for a really long time. And, and I had to navigate a lot of big feelings around that. So I know that what's mattered most to me is having other moms who've gone before me saying like, this is what worked for me, or this is what helped, or I'm even in this with you right now. I'm experiencing the same thing. And this is what's working. So with that in mind, I wanted to create this idea or this episode around ideas on how to keep your kids talking to you. That said, like this doesn't always work for me. (laughs) I'm like not good at making a commercial for this for myself. This doesn't always work for me, but there are some things that are working and I can definitely piece together why they're working. And I thought I should share that because it might help you too. And I don't want to hold information that could be helpful to you. And I know that a lot of parents are in this tween space as I am and trying to figure out like how do we shift and grow as our kids are shifting and growing? And there's some things that I did when Vinny was really young that I'm really, really glad that I did. And they're really helping now, even though things are hard and weird and really tricky in this tween season and this fifth grade season that we're in. But I am glad that I laid some foundation and the things that I'm going to share are not things that you have to do when you have a brand new baby. Like you can do these things at any time. I just started them pretty early, but they're also things you can integrate today, no matter how old your child is. And I should say no matter how old up to 11, because I haven't I haven't parented beyond that. So I don't know if you have children older than that. I'm sure some of this applies, but I have not lived that experience that. And I don't want to definitely like give information that I haven't tried myself. So I want to talk about ideas around how to keep your kids talking to you. And like I said, I'm not a parenting expert and I also don't always make the right parenting choices. I always feel like I am learning, learning, learning. I am definitely a listener when it comes to this stuff, trying to listen to what other people say. And I've interviewed a lot of people who are parenting experts. So I have had a lot of exposure to that. And I feel like there's some things that have really helped me along the way that I want to share. I am also someone who definitely doesn't get it right with a lot of things. And as I was thinking this through, I was like, I don't want this to sound like I know all the things about all the things when it comes to parenting, because I don't. And I'm constantly, and my husband and I are constantly like, what are we doing with screen time? Like, how do we feel about how that's going? Are we doing it right? Are we doing it wrong? Like, we never know. And candy, like, and Halloween is top of mind because it was yesterday. The same thing. We're like, like, how much candy and when? And does it matter time of day? And like, right before bed, before breakfast? I mean, who knows? Like, all the things. And I feel like we're figuring it out as we go and we're messing it up sometimes. And bedtime routine, like, same thing. Like, it's different all the time and we feel like we can't figure it out. And also, like it's been 11 years. How have we not figured out a bedtime routine? So all of this is to say, there's a lot of things I don't know and I haven't figured out. But the most important thing to me outside of like screen time and candy and bedtime and these things that feel like I should have this figured out now and we don't, is that as my child enters this tween era is that he trusts me and us and he believes that he can talk to me or us when things are hard. And there's a few things that I've done really consciously and really consistently over the years that I think are paying off in that department. And these are the things I wanted to dig in today with you. And there's also some new things that I'm trying that have been effective. And I wanted to share those as well, because I know we're venturing through this shameless motherhood together. You're not on this journey alone, although I know it can feel that way. Um, And as we navigate this together, as Glennon Doyle says, we belong to each other. And I want you to have that feeling. The other thing I want to say before we really dive in with my ideas (laughs) that I'm going to share with you is that when our children struggle, it's so easy to immediately assume blame or become really consumed with doubt, like where did I go wrong or have I done it all wrong, or maybe feel really stuck in dysfunctional patterns or dysfunctional thought patterns that really, really don't help. So I want to just recognize that that part is really true. And that's where I think the loneliness often can fall, come into place where we feel like 
how does everyone else know what to do? And how does everyone else have it figured out? And why does everyone else have like cute pictures with their kids smiling all the time? And we've spent most of the day crying over here. So I think that it's really important that we share our fumbles and our wins because that can help us process with one another, but also it can help us feel less alone on this journey that can feel isolating and confusing at times. And so that's definitely what inspired this episode. And I hope that this gives you a tool or two that you can use that is helpful, but also that gives you some hope. So I was going to call this episode like tools on how to get your kid to talk or tips. And then I thought, I'm just going to call it ideas. These are just ideas. <laughs> and I feel like if I tell tell you that they're tools and tips, it sounds too much like I'm trying to position myself as an expert and I'm not. So these are just ideas <laughs> and you can decide if you want to try them or not. I did do a little bit of research on this before I, as I was putting my thoughts together. And so I will put some stuff in the links in the resources in our show notes. I cannot get my words out. So in our show notes, you will find some resources today. There's an article, a Dr. Sears article on helping your child build confidence. There's also, I'm going to link to Dr. Becky, who wrote the book Good Inside, who has the podcast Good Inside. And then I'm going to also link to a book called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, How to Listen So Kids Will Talk, I think is the title of the book, but I'll link. And I've mentioned that book many times over the course of the podcast. And then I think those are my main resources. So I'll link all those in the show notes if you're like, oh, I want to hear more on that. And I'll kind of tell you where I've integrated those things. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So the first thing I want to say about keeping your kid talking to you is building your own confidence and doing your own inner child work is really, really important. It is fascinating to me how insecure I can start to feel based on something that's happening with my kid. And I was thinking about this just the other day where I thought, when someone else sees my child do something or they see 
something happening in a parent dynamic when I'm out in public. How much am I internalizing? Like what my kid needs in that moment versus what are the people watching thinking? And I want to say like, I'm only thinking about what my child needs, but like truth be told, I'm also very aware of anyone who's watching, what are they going to think about this? Or if something happens at school that seems, you know, I'm like, why would my kid do that? Like that doesn't seem like him. And then am I internalizing that as a reflection of myself, my own worth, my like ability to parent, my quality of, you know, in terms of being a mom and all those kinds of things. So you have to build your own confidence and do your own inner child work to know what are your defaults and why are those your defaults? So if you're someone who immediately feels insecure or you're someone who immediately feels defensive or you immediately feel really sad or you immediately feel like you want to go isolate, you have to figure out why that's your default because there's reasons for it. And it's probably because that's something that served you at some point in your life. And that probably served you maybe in a time of trials, tribulations, maybe even trauma. And when things feel shaky to you, that might be the place that you go back to. So I'm not a therapist on top of not being a parent educator. Um, I'm also not a therapist, but this is work that you can absolutely do with a therapist that I think is really, really important. I've done a lot of this work with therapists. I did some of it through hypnotherapy. I've done a lot of it through just reading and learning, but having to really acknowledge like where my deepest insecurities lie and then how parenting can trigger them and having to find in those moments when parenting is really hard, how can I stay in the moment and be the the parent my kid needs rather than regressing or defaulting to a version of myself that is not not only not healthy for me, but also not helpful to my kid. So that's the first thing is building your own confidence so that you can parent in a way that helps your kids see that you're confident, but also that helps you demonstrate what confidence looks like and also allows space for you to keep lines of communication open with your child in a way that they have comfort coming to you. If they see your insecurity, if they sniff that you are feeling really full of doubt or not full of hope or like you're really struggling, they're not going to see you as the safe, soft place to land when they are ready to come to you and talk about something. And I'm saying that from some personal experience in terms of like primary caregivers not being able to show up in certain ways. And when I didn't have that sense of safety around me, I was someone who instead held a lot in instead of going to the people who really wanted to help me and could have helped me. But I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they can handle it. And so I internalized a lot because I wasn't sure if people around me could handle what I was holding on to. So having that confidence will create ease in your relationship with your child. And it will also help you be able to differentiate like between what's happening with your kid versus where you're defaulting into roles that you maybe carried in your past or things that have happened in your childhood, where it's not the most functional place for you to go to when you're in a hard, sticky parenting moment. The next thing is, and this I think I actually read when I was pregnant, and this is another resource that I'll put in the show notes, the book Brain Rules for Babies, or Brain Rules for Baby. And it was talking about measuring success and like what success looks like when you do longitudinal studies of on children through their growth cycle and then into adulthood. And it was really talking about creating safety for children and framing success in terms of happiness versus success in terms of achievement. And it was really eye-opening as a high achiever, as someone who likes to get 100%. And by the way, as someone who has a kid who's a high achiever and likes to get 100%, really focusing on valuing your kid for who they are and not how they perform in different ways. And that's really tricky because we are so legitimately proud of our kids when they perform well, right? Like your kid does really well in a chess tournament or a ballet recital or a piano recital or in a sports event. 
or on their report card or on a test and you want to be like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. You did it. This is so great. And not that you wouldn't celebrate those things. You should celebrate those things. But how are you making sure that they're not equating their achievements with the amount of positive love and reinforcement that they get. That part can be really, really tricky. So how can you demonstrate love and support and approval that's not metric-based? One of the things that we did last year on Vinny's report card, he got really great grades and he was really excited about it. Last year was the first time they had letter grades in his school. So he was in the fourth grade. And of course, he wanted a lot of attention for his A's. And of course, I was like, yes, that's great. Way to go. But then I was like, you know what I really love the most on here? And I don't know if you all have this on your report cards, but there's like a little um, like key at the bottom of the report card. So next to every grade, there's like little numbers that are like for little comments, like child excels in this area or child could use more attention in this area or whatever. So one of his little notations next to one of his grades was something about how he is really kind and goes out of his way to help kids who might be struggling at school and in various capacities. And I was like, Vinny, that's like the only part of your report card (laughs) that I think is really important because that's about who you are as a person. And not that I was like totally saying like everything else is irrelevant, but like that part, that showing that you are someone who is looking out for other people in your community and that you are being, you know, someone that people can trust in your community. And like, that's what matters. It's not about getting A's. I'm, that's great that you got A's. I'm proud of you that you got A's, but also like this could be all C's and I would be the same level of proud of you. And so really backing out from achievement. And I think especially for a kid that's self-motivated in achievement, sometimes like helping him look through that lens can be really helpful. So really making it clear that you're supporting your kid for who they are and not what they achieve. We have had Vinny's tried out for some things recently, sports related things where I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And I've been so impressed by how he has decided to make decisions to try things that he's not sure if he's going to be really great at, because I was not a kid that did that. And so I love watching him do that. And I'm we make a big deal about that. Like, oh my gosh, you're trying out for this thing and we don't know how it's going to go. And that's, you know, that's a big deal and it's really brave. And like, how can you prepare and what are like the wins, whether or not, regardless of the outcome. And so that has been, I think, a place for him to just feel supported and that his value is not connected to achievement. And we know like long-term studies that that can be really important for lifelong happiness. The next thing to keep and when it comes to like keeping the lines of communication open with your child, I think that that also creates space for when there is a struggle around something that they can come to you and say like, this isn't going well, and I need help. And like, what am I doing wrong? Or, you know, this has actually been coming up for us in math, where Vinny does well in math, but he wants me to check his work with him. And it's actually been this like great time for communication where I sit down and he does his math and then I do his math. And this is only because we have one child and it's because I have this narrow window of time where my child wants to do this and I'm taking advantage of it. I do not think this is something that other parents need to do. But because it's something that he wants to do in this moment, in this season, and I know in probably two weeks he won't want to do it anymore, I'm loving sitting down and doing his math with him where he does it and I do it and we compare answers and we see what it's all about. And it's been just a place for us to open the doors to communication. It's also been a place for him to see me fail because there's times when he gets it right and I'm like, oh shoot, I made an error. I need to erase this. I need to start over. I see where I dropped this number here or whatever. So he gets to see me being imperfect, but it's been this really great time for us to kind of sit side by side and have some open communication about something where we're in it together. And that opens communication up for other things as well. The next piece is quality time and quality time looks different for everyone. And I love the Brene Brown story about quality time where she talks about that she and her husband realized when their kids were young that they needed to be doing 
quality time things. And she looked at what other families were doing. And she was like, Oh, my God, I don't want I hate those things. And I think the example that she gave was like family game night. And she's like, Lord, help me if I have to do a family game night. She's like, we are just not like family game people. But she and her husband thought, sat down and talked about it. And they were like, but what who are what people are we? And they decided instead, like, they're people that their family loves going to the movies together. They love going on hikes together. They love going to the lake together. So there was these really specific things that those are their things. So it doesn't have to be about a family game night or something that's not in your wheelhouse or love language or how time gives you energy. It's about finding the things that do give you energy in terms of spending time together and what quality time looks like for you and then making time for that. One of the things that we do for quality time that I do with Vinny a lot is taking the dog for a walk because we're walking, not seeing each other, not face to face. So no eye contact, which always helps open lines of communication. And also we have this ridiculous dog that we can talk about endlessly that opens the door as a conversation starter. So it always starts off like making fun of her because she's doing something ridiculous. And we're talking about like, what is she thinking right now? And she's probably thinking, oh my gosh, this grass smells delicious, blah, blah, blah. We like totally get into these like long narratives. But then it opens up into like, here's the thing that happened today, or I've been thinking about this, or what about that? And so that is like our go to to be able to find quality time together. And so he knows now if he's had a really rough day, or things the wheels are falling off, he often can't ask for help in the moment. And in the moment, sometimes feelings can be really big and really overwhelming. But when he's ready to process, he can come and say, Or often I will go to him and say, do you want to go for a walk? Or he'll come to me and say, do you want to take Piper for a walk? And so he knows that like, that's the place where we can go, where that's the safe place. That's the place where we can have communication that feels non-threatening because it's not eye to eye. The dog is there. It's like kind of this little bubble that's like safe and protected. We've been there a lot of different times. We've been doing this for a long time. So it's going to someplace that's really familiar. I'm not saying like, hey, like come sit at the dining room table at these chairs that we never sit in to have a very serious conversation. Instead, we're going into this place where we spend a lot lot of time already. And that feels, I think, really safe and trusting. And so it's easier to get into hard conversations in that environment and in that context. So figuring out what that means to you. For you, that might be doing a puzzle with your kid. It might be playing a game. It might be, you know, going for a bike ride. You know, it can be a ton. It might be making bracelets or jewelry. It can be so many different things. But knowing, just like I always talk about, like, how do, where do you go when you need time to process? And I talk about what those things are for me. It's going running. It's taking a shower. It's going on a long drive. Where can you also have those places where you know you and your child can consistently go to, to get right into those spots where you know that there can be open communication and that they can feel quick safety so that they can open up? No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. 
The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. The next item on my list is to really listen when you are in communication with your child. My child and I are both extroverts. And so we're really good at thinking about what we want to say while the other person is listening. So I'm going to say that again. We're both extroverts and we're really good at thinking about what we want to say while the other person's speaking. So the whole time I'm speaking, Vinny is thinking in his head what he wants to say back to me rather than focusing on what I'm saying. And same here, when he's talking, I'm thinking, well, I need to tell him this and I need to tell him this lesson and here's a story that goes with it and blah, 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 rather than really listening to him. I have to constantly tell my brain to slow down and shut up and just listen. (laughs) And so I've gotten some, and this is where some of the stuff from Dr. Becky from the Good Inside book and podcasts have been helpful. I've been able to get some one-liners that instead of me immediately going back to him and like giving advice and digging into a story and over talking and talking over him, which is really my temptation is to instead just keep little phrases in there that keep him talking. And so saying things to him like, I'm so glad you're sharing this with me. I'm really glad we talked about this. Sometimes I say the same things to him that he says to me back to him. And this is a tip that I got how to talk to your kids will listen and listen so your kids will talk is he'll say like, oh, this thing happened and it was really unfair. And I'll say, oh, that sounds like it was that was felt really unfair to you. So that reflection right back versus like, that wasn't really unfair. That was so-and-so's job to do that and blah, 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 blah. These, if you thought about this, which again is what I want to do, <laughs> but keeping the communication open by really actively listening, reflecting back to him what he's saying to me, and then also letting him know that I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing this with with me. Like really showing care and protection over the conversation. That has been really helpful. And sometimes at the expense of saying all the things that I want to (laughs) say as an extrovert. (laughs) So it's hard. It is hard. I'm really working on it. But it does seem to be really, really effective. And then the last piece is practicing the carryover principle. And this actually came from the Dr. Sears um, article. But when we can talk to our kids about in hard moments about how they've been successful in other hard moments, or when we can look back at a hard moment. So oftentimes in a hard moment, this doesn't work as well as to like a few hours later say, hey, I know you got really stuck today. Remember, you know, last week or two weeks ago when you got really stuck and this thing we did, it really worked and it helped us move through that moment. I'm wondering if that's something that now you've practiced that once, we could practice it again next time something like this comes up. And so pointing out the thing that's worked in the past and then recognizing how you can do that repetitively in other scenarios, like carrying over one method that worked into another area and letting them know that the more you try this and the more you practice this, it's going to get more comfortable and that you don't have to go into this hard, sticky moment that lasts so long or that feels so overwhelming because you've been here before. And so you know some things that can help you move through it rather than having to stay in it for a really long time. 
So those are my ideas, not my tips or my tools, just my ideas that you can decide if they sound like they might help you, might work for you. Maybe you can put your own spin on them. And obviously, you know, your child is unique. Your relationship with your child is unique. So if there's a spin that you can put on that works for you, great. I think it's so helpful when we can share tips. I'm in the Facebook group with, I think, 11,000 other parents in the Seattle area. And I love it when parents ask questions like this kind of a question, like, you know, what are you doing to keep lines of communication open? And like, 50 parents chime in immediately and you just get to see all these different things that are working for people and you can see themes and you can see things like, okay, that won't work for my kid, but that could totally work and I haven't tried it yet. And I think that's how we can show up for one another. I also think that the important part is really recognizing that your kid's different than my kid and your child might need something different. When Vinny was really little, I wanted him to be the child that when he fell apart needed me immediately. And I remember one time when he was having a meltdown, I tried to like sit with him through the whole thing. And he did not want to have anything to do with me. Like he wanted to go to his room and hide under his bed. And I remember thinking like, I'm doing something wrong. Shouldn't he want to like sit on my lap the whole time? (laughs) And sure enough, though, when I gave him space, which was really hard for me to do, when he was ready, he came out and he was like, mom, and I mean, he was probably like three, but he was like, mom, will you sit with me? Um, And we sat and we talked and like, it had to be on his terms. It had to be on his timeline. And he's still like that. And he was just recently in a situation where he was really overwhelmed, emotionally overwhelmed, and a whole bunch of people were trying to help him. And it was like, no, that's not what he needs. Like, everybody give him a minute. And then when he has some space and he can come and say, okay, I'm ready now to talk and this is what I need and I want to talk it out. And and we were able to like talk it out multiple kind of little mini sessions after that. But he's not a kid that can process when the stakes and the chaos and the emotions are really high in the moment. Like, that's just not him. So take what you know about your kid and see if you want to try some of these things out. Let me know what works. Obviously, engage on social media if there's anything that works for you or you have any other ideas to add to this conversation. And then any books, resources, articles, anything that I mentioned will all be linked up in the show notes if you go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 820. And thank you for being here today. And as I said in the beginning, we belong to each other and we're all in this together. And so just know that I am in this with you always as we navigate all of these times, good, bad, hard, tricky, fun, (laughs) emotional, inspiring, and sometimes just downright, you know, completely overwhelming and exhausting. We are in it together. So thank you for being here. And I will be back on Wednesday with an interview. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply 
and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.